Welcome into Washington Football Crunch. I am Micah Chen, joined alongside, as always, Luke Monger and Jackson Garner. We got a pretty packed episode today. Luke, have you been happy these last couple days? You know, I like it's weird. Uh, I wasn't as upset as I thought I'd be following the loss. Uh, it's kind of, you know, just like it almost feels like having a concussion. If you ever experienced that, that's what kind of these last couple days has felt in my brain. Like just after dealing with that loss. Like, Have you ever had a concussion traumatic. before? How, how could you compare that? I've had a concussion. You can't, that's a very concussion. serious injury. I mean, it's a very like kind of life altering event, at least for the yeah, next few well, months. Yeah, I'm talking about like, like I've had a concussion. It wasn't that bad. I was sledding with a friend and I walked like right across the hill and then my friend's brother who at the time was like six four two fifteen slid into me and i hit my head on the hill and uh plenty of was, snow to break your fall for like a, i was out for like a couple seconds though and i i didn't know how i got there or which teams were in the playoffs at the time uh so it's then, very important oh, when you have a concussion yeah exactly so then i was like this in the next couple days kind of sucks but i was fine that's just kind of what it felt like you know it just was like groggy and I didn't really want to see the light and stuff like that, but like <laughs> sit in an airplane. No, it's, it's over. Yeah, exactly. It's just like well, what, what's the what's the long term implications? Do you think that if Utah wins out, you know, combined with you know, there'll be some yeah. pity. There'll be some pity from the committee when they see that it was like, only a twenty one sixteen loss. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's a doubt that if the Huskies run the tables from here, that they get into the college football. Get a playoffs. nice Pac twelve championship well, yeah. to pad well, it. Well, that's yeah. the thing, you know, like. I, I don't yeah, I mean, know how yeah. people made it. Like they could have gotten, they could have gotten flattened by Auburn if they go twelve and one with a conference championship. Like there's a really good chance they're going to get in because people forget every year around this time that like maybe a single team runs the tables. It never happens. It just like it just doesn't happen. So like to have four conference champions with one loss or better would be surprising to me. And, and that for that reason, I think if Washington goes 12 and one and they'll have the close loss essentially on the road to Auburn in a game that they led with eight minutes left on third and nine when Auburn had third and nine deep in their own territory. Uh, and they'll have wins over teams like Stanford and Oregon and Utah. I mean, they'll have plenty of wins on their resume that, that are, are good enough, and then whatever the Pac-12 championship game would be. If but they can they afford to slip up right no, now? Absolutely. Can they afford to lose to Utah week no, three? And no. so, well, golly gee, we yeah. can still win out, guys. Like, yeah. It, it no, gets to so, the point where that, yeah. that they goes can, away. They can't lose again. There's never been a two-loss team that's made the college football playoffs, and Washington won't be the first. Uh, so, yeah. yeah but no, I, I, do they, think, I do think it's pretty funny that, <laughs> like, you know, before the game – the narrative was UW is holding the fate of, of the Pac-12 in their hands. At the end of the game, it was like, ah, well, you know. They lost it for they the lost, Pac-12. They lost, but it's, it's still all right. Like, you know, and, and that's the way it should have been. Like, you know, you can, just, you can just tell how much the media just, like, wanted to, like, make this, like, more than it. Like, and it obviously yeah. was a huge game, but, like, make it a little bit more than it was. It really was, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Jackson, what was the best part of your Laramie adventure? Oof. Gosh, those third and fourth quarters were fun. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know if you guys, obviously, Luke. I can't imagine you got you got to watch the game, uh, or I don't know if you. you I was did. following. Yeah, Micah, did you get a chance? To no, watch I, it? I was. I had four screens going on once. I yeah, had, yeah. Uh, obviously, the Eastern versus Central game, and I also had Bellevue versus Central Valley in the background. So oh, nice. Got a uh, got four games. They were all starting at one o'clock, 
And right? uh, yeah, that, was, that was tough. WSC, the way they bounced back in that second half. That was okay. With Garner, yes, Minchie, Blake, that, that was fun to watch. That was that was the most. In, that was the most. Uh, probably just Wyoming was, it was the best thing to see a little bit there. Yeah. You know, that reassured me so much to see them like actually because usually and typically with WCU is like when adversity hits, it's kind of just like everyone just gives up and it's just done. Like, you know, but there it was like, you know, they were very resilient. And that was that was promising to see because, you know, you know, there are going to be times when they get down. and It's like, how do you bounce back and how do you do damage control? And the second quarter where they really, I mean, that, that was the only two touchdowns they gave up were in the second quarter. I mean, they really did a good job of damage control there, and, and that was promising to see. So, what I, what I enjoyed of, the most was things. Garner yeah. Minshew's veteran leadership, uh, his swagger, just his ability to keep guys in the game and kind of play with a different, with a different playing style than Luke Falkwood or any uh, any of the other quarterbacks in the roster. His, you know, his playmaking and uh, his rah rah attitude. That helped as much as anything else to keep WSU in the game. Also, James Williams played like a veteran running back. So the players that needed to perform, as well as some of those guys that we were on the fence on for a little bit, the defensive line, uh, a couple new players in the secondary, everybody performed up to standard. And it, it wasn't a, like, a wow performance. You know, nothing about that said, oh, they could be bigger than we thought they were going to be going into the season. But they took care of business. They got San Jose State next week. They got a tough game against Eastern, but you start 2-0. and uh, you gotta love where WSU is at right now in this point in the season. Yeah, no, I I think I think you're definitely right. You know, we probably realistically going to be walking into the Eastern game two and zero, playing them at home. I, I'm still still concerned about playing against Eastern. Don't get me wrong. I think that that's never a game that. But that's that's pack, a good that's a good feeling. It's it's good to be a little bit concerned about Eastern. There's never going to be a year. Where you're 100 percent confident uh, going against Eastern? Uh, no, I, I disagree. I well, I mean, yeah, you're. I think you're right there, but I just I think it's dumb to ever schedule them. Uh, but you know, here we are. It's close. It's cheap. Arrow is willing. I don't. I don't even know if it's that cheap. Like I still think we pay them a good deal of money to to come. Get good. Which, you, get, you get a good value. Get to play a good team. That, yeah, but you know that, that it's. It's like if you want that, like you don't get any, you don't get anything for beating. Uh, you don't think you don't think anybody looks Eastern. at a win over Eastern and goes, "Wow, they're a big sky contender. They're a national championship <laughs> contender." Let's see, that that will translate well in the rankings. Yeah, you everybody's know, looking like, at that as a great win. No one cares about it, and it's it's very viable to like lose. And I don't know. I guess we'll see how Eastern does in week two against another Division One AA opponent, but like. I never. That's always a game that you never want to see on your schedule. Um, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I think I think most Pac-12 teams would agree with that. Like I think Washington State's performance against Wyoming is just kind of evidence or proof of what we were talking about last week that the air raid does what it does, and that you can lose a player like Luke Falk and receivers. Uh, gosh, how am I going to blank on these guys' names right now? Oh, uh, Cal. <laughs> I, I, you just asked me, and then Isaiah Johnson, yeah. Mac, and then uh, the, yeah, Isaiah Johnson, Mac, and then and then the, the other, other guy, kid. yeah, they were teammates yeah. in high school. Out of sight, it's out even of more age. embarrassing that I'm forgetting yeah, but, right uh, now. Like, yeah, but you know, like, I think it's just indicative of the fact that like Mike Leach's system 
is just so dialed in that you can produce numbers in it and that people overreacting to like a top 25 Cougar team losing a couple key players on offense and then being like, oh, they're going to go three and nine. It's like, mm. Yeah, did you guys? Okay, did any of you guys see uh, Ryan Leaf's uh, predictions of the year? So, so first, yeah, so four and eight. But then in the South, he had Arizona going eleven and one, and it's like, okay, (laughs) the one loss was going to come week one to (laughs) yeah to BYU. Yeah, Yeah. you know, (laughs) great, great picks, Ryan Leaf. But you know, one performance that really stood out to me this weekend was Aaron Fuller. Uh, there was a lot of hype for him going into the season, and he really delivered. I he really delivered on it. Uh, seven receptions for 135 yards, and everything from his high motor, you know, his, his crisp route running, uh, even his signature number two jersey. He screamed I don't superstar think, this season. Mike, I don't think you should be able to talk about uh, Aaron Fuller like that, considering after all the criticism you've had for <laughs> for I've him always, I've and Long. Made, well, and, 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 and yeah, you, gotta give, you have to give credit to Andre Bocelli as well because you know he had an amazing catch. And Quentin Pounds, who you have been Quentin critical. Pounds, yeah, yeah you've been critical. <laughs> you've been critical of all of those guys. And and I still am very critical because you can make one catch for a touchdown, and it looks cool in the highlight film. But what are you doing on a play-to-play basis? There's something technically deficient about Chico. I can't lay a finger on what it is. I don't know if it's his playing style or his body type. But just the way they utilize him, you know, they had that they used him in the fly sweep. He only had one catch or four yards, and that one fly sweep went for like negative five. There's still something weird about these kind of undersized receivers. But Aaron Fuller, he he has that Antonio Brown playing style that it doesn't. It's not just purely athleticism, and I just love his high motor and his, and his intensity and his route running. But uh, with those other guys, the jury's still out. Quinton Pounds, Andre Bocelli, Chico McClatcher. There's still something a little bit off about those guys. Aaron Fuller, though, he looks like a featured guy, absolutely. And I, I, I've always had a soft spot for him through my criticism of UW's oh, wide receivers. Oh, oh, <laughs> the soft spot. Oh, you say, oh, oh yeah, say, yeah. Oh wow, it goes oh, back my a God. while. This kind of I will not let I will not let anyone listening to this al- <laughs> hear this and let Micah try and save himself like this. That was a horrible take, and you know it was a horrible take. You've hated on all three, all pretty much everyone in that WCU all five or, of them, uh, right? UW, other than Ty Jones and the the two and Spiker oh, why, why would and I the do, new guy. But those guys are like six three, six four. What I'm talking about is these five ten prototypes like Jordan Chin. And uh, and obviously uh, Quentin Pounds and Andre Bocelli, I still I still think they're not that great. I still think that they're not their depth options at most. They can't be featured guys. Uh, like I said, Chico McClatcher, there's something wrong with him right now. Uh, I don't know if it's injured. Is he still hurt, Luke? Is he? Is there still uh, something? I don't know. In the, I mean, he broke his. This is his first game back since breaking a leg. You know, so I think. You've seen injuries, also. I would hope uh, we would eventually like, see career. I mean, remember when Casey Williams got hurt? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, and I'm not gonna say, like, I'm not saying that's gonna happen to Chico, but like one discouraging sign after another. You know, the initial depth chart comes out, which doesn't really mean anything. But Andre Bocelli was listed at starter instead of Chico McClatcher. He only comes out and he gets the ball twice against Auburn. Uh, what? Either they're really easing him into this, or it's just kind of like. You know they're gonna get their best receivers out there, and right now they don't think it's him. Uh, but I will. Say I think that's what it is. Yeah. I think they have better options right now, so they're gonna go with those guys for right now. Yeah, and well, Chico and will really have to I earn it. Looked, like, the, like for the most part, there was only one throw that stands out as not the like as this not being the case. But everything like from just the way that uh, Jake was able to move the ball downfield, whether it was to Ty Jones or to Andre Bocelli. And then the fade to Quentin Pounds and stuff like that. 
what it just showed to me, and, and this is why, like, I, I brought this up as a reason that I thought that Jake Browning's numbers were down last year. I, th- I think it shows how beneficial it is to have a healthy group of receivers that you've gotten tons of reps in and that you're comfortable with. Like, it just everything was on time except for uh, the interception he threw when Coach Pete came to Jake's defense today and said that I believe it was K- it was either Kate Otten or Jacob Kaiser. I can't remember which one. Uh, that was supposed to be coming back to that ball and kind of broke off his route, and Jake was kind of hung out to dry. But I, I was really impressed with all of them as a whole. Uh, a lot of those guys aren't making catches if Jake Browning's not putting them on the money. Uh, but, yeah, Aaron Fuller was getting open. Uh, Andre Bocelli was getting open. Ty Jones was using his body better than we've seen him use it yet, which is great because he has a phenomenal body. And uh, yeah, so I was very, I was very encouraged by. I mean, you don't just go down to SEC country and hang 296 yards through the air against Auburn. So I thought, well, that was, let's yeah. let's talk about Jake Browning right now because there's a lot of people that are criticizing him, saying that because he is a four-year starter that he should be performing better. Uh, and it's a very deep quarterback room at UW, but if Browning's not good, it loses that depth to it. It, it doesn't look as good on paper. A lot of people have been criticizing Browning, but they don't provide an answer of what they would rather have. There's no real backup. And that is a concern right now, because if Browning is not good, look, he'll be fine against North Dakota. He'll make he'll he'll kind of, you know, what have you done for me recently? He'll win the next few games and people will say, Oh no, he's five and one. He's a good starter, and there's a reason why he's the guy right now. But how how uh, how fair is that criticism right now? Is it warranted? Yeah, uh, for, for where he's at right now. What, what's interesting, I think, about Jake Browning is there are so many just like polarizing opinions on him that the Jake Browning lovers saw what they wanted to see from Jake Browning on which uh, is Saturday, which is what nothing Jake Browning. Well, no, I mean they a saw lack him, of performance. Like, oh, hot! What two hundred ninety six yards in the air against Auburn? I'd say that's a pretty good performance. You know, like it. it like, well, it, I think it wasn't the yardage; it was the decisions that he made. You know, it was the uh, the okay. option. It was uh, the, the failure to get uh, off to a hot play. start. Right, okay. he, but yeah. it, I mean, it and, was and also he's it, not he's not the one allowing six five three hundred twenty pound defensive tackles to get through the line and swallow miles up for a loss on the very first play of the game. Yeah. You know? Like, I think you really have to consider, like, you can't just look at him, like, in the face of pressure and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, he made a bad decision. You know, you have to consider yeah. everything as a whole. Like, what's what's the number one criticism of Jake Browning been his whole career? Uh, I mean, he can't throw. De- he he's doesn't, yeah. have an, I mean, doesn't have a strong he arm. Under throw, like, he, like, was, like, poetry wasn't wouldn't be good enough to, like, yeah, you could have freaking I don't know. Scott Frost or whatever his name is. Scott Frost is the coordinator. Who's the yeah. name of the, the famous the famous poet? Something Frost. Oh, Robert Frost. Yeah, Robert <laughs> Frost couldn't articulate how beautiful some of those balls were. You know the one to Andre, or like to Aaron Fuller where Aaron Fuller was getting tackled when he caught it. Yeah, I mean it's just like stuff like yeah. that. Really, I mean, he was delivering phenomenal deep balls. He didn't underthrow anybody. He only overthrew Aaron Fuller once, which makes the coaches more angry than underthrows. By the way. Um, like yeah, he he had the he turned the ball over on the option, which like he like I don't know he needs to check yeah. out that or he needs to just swallow that up and try to get three points. I mean he made mistakes, but I think you've got to be encouraged with him going into SEC country against an SEC defense, one that's like I, I've seen like they say that Auburn has the best defensive line in the country. I've also seen things that say Auburn has a top twenty defensive backfield in the country. So this is a phenomenal defense, and Jake Browning went in there. And at times, like that whole third quarter was moving the ball downfield at will. Yeah, I think if you're going to sit here and criticize Jake Browning, 
and you're a fan of UW football, shame on you. Shame on you to, to say that week one where anything goes week one and still to, to put together a respectable performance. And, and I mean, yes, they didn't move the, but that's not, that wasn't necessarily all his fault. And uh, for what he did and what he has done, don't to not forget, you know, not forget what he has done at UW already. Yeah. Like to, to, to turn your back week one like that. Oh, shame on you. Yeah. What is well, it, what is it going to what's it going to take to justify his legacy going into his final year? Is it going to be another Pac-12 championship? Justif- like there's nothing to justify. He's set he's shattered school records. If he wins 11 games this year, which will be tough at this point, that's he'll be the only 40 so win quarterback. So if he if he delivers one Pac-12 championship in 4 years with all the resources, all the investment, all the time that was poured into Jake Browning to come out of that with but, one Pac-12 championship, one college football playoff uh, appearance, what? is that going to be enough to justify making him a four-year starter and void and, and not even course, because not even suggesting another he's competition the best quarterback on the team and they it's not like it's not like if Jake Hayner were going out there and were like by far and away the better quarterback they would start Jake Hayner that's what like that's what people have to realize like Chris Peterson like you can't pretend that, that Chris Peterson and Jake Browning have this like secret bond that was like if you come here you will start every single game that you're healthy for your entire career the fact of the matter is he's just the best quarterback on the team and it, yeah. yeah like it, it, well, that's and you're you're 100% right and I feel like as a, as fans we we definitely forget that that like the coaches are 100 are always 100% or I mean not always but usually uh, 99 times out of 100 going to be completely objective and we get this idea that like coaches fall in love with players and it's like no they're at practice every single day watching these guys and they're gonna play who looks the best like i you know what what else do you want from them i mean i i don't know i mean people like i've seen things like jake browning isn't a quarterback that can win a national championship he doesn't have the juice to do that blah 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 i mean i guess we'll never know because he may never get a chance to play in a national championship game especially at this point because they're their own one they've got a big uphill climb ahead of them but like Alabama, how many national championships have they won? And AJ McCarron was the first quarterback to win a game for them in the NFL in 28 years. I mean, yeah. Like, all you need is a guy who can go out there and get the job done. And Jake Browning has proven that he can do that and more. And the other thing, the other thing that I don't know, this is just the other thing that's interesting to me. Uh, like I feel like Jake Browning haters just choose to be Jake Browning haters, and then they'll they'll kind of twist their like reasoning through whatever. So he, he's a guy that can't throw a deep ball for his first three years. And then he throws for 296 yards against Auburn. And then all of a sudden he has turnover problems when he threw five picks last year and didn't fumble once. Yeah, no, you know, I, like I think he, right. Like, and also sure, he, had, he had, he had a couple bad plays like, and, and they were very costly and they, they definitely altered the outcome of the game. But like, there was definitely more good than bad in that performance in my eyes. I think I also feel like people don't like him because he's not a great NFL prospect. Like he doesn't look like a a great quarterback. He does, you know, he's not six five, two hundred twenty five pounds like every other great quarterback in the NFL is. And like people, you know, when they just look at him, it's like, eh. But like what you get on the field and what you get in production is all there of what you would expect from your 6'5", 225-pound prototypical quarterback. Yeah. And people just want to see someone who looks the part. And, I mean, does we've obviously seen that he can perform the part, 
but sometimes I, I feel like it just never it's just never enough with Jake Brown. You know, whenever he does something, it's just never enough. Well, I was just and, 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 and like, and there'll just be. I I think this kind of goes into like him not being the NFL athlete slash like body that people want. Mm-hmm. Like I love people talk like complaining about Jake Browning scrambling, and it's like, did he not see him scramble on third and eleven for thirteen yards and keep a drive alive in the yeah? Floor? You know, it's like come yeah, on. like did, did you he know. watch the game? <laughs> yeah, it just like I don't know. I'm obviously like I'm not even gonna lie. I'm probably the like. Like it's kind of one of my life missions is to defend Jake Browning as the starting quarterback. Like I am not a super level headed opinion on it, but well, I I just, I don't think you're like even if you defend that to your grave, you know who you have at your back, Chris Peterson, yeah. and that's a that's a pretty damn that's a pretty good damn person to have on your back. And yeah. for everyone else that that disagrees with you, guess who you don't have at your back, Chris Peterson. Yeah. So like debatably one of the best coaches in college football right now and who knows in history like yeah. you you know that's a pretty good guy to to be in agreement sure. agreement with and then B- bush hamden last week uh someone was asking about the difference between jake ne- or jake's numbers his sophomore year and his junior year and then mm-hmm. he was like look guys like i'm just gonna say this right now every single year of my career i would take jake browning as my starting quarterback and like, yeah oh, that's right yeah. most people would i mean sure if you have if you have like a, like just this gunslinging prototypical quarterback that also is as efficient as Jake Browning and takes as good care of the football as Jake Browning and like and just checks all of those kind of intangible boxes then awesome then start that kid you know but yeah like in this especially with Chris, like Chris Peterson Jake Browning like basically fits the bill of what they're looking for all right, let's talk Trey Adams right now. He is rumored mm-hmm. to miss the rest of the season with a back injury. Do you want to see him come back for a fifth year, Luke, or do you want to see him go right to the NFL after this season? That's t- I mean, it's tough. I-, I think it's one of those things that if he does get 100% healthy by the end of the season and is able to get a couple games under his belt, first of all, you have to consider the fact that, let's say, he misses three quarters of the season and he comes back in November, he won't have played a game in 13 months. You know, So he's going to have to shake off that rust and then... Uh, you have to get to the point where uh, you get an evaluation and then he has to kind of go from there. I mean, I'm sure if he gets a second or third round evaluation, it might be worth him going uh, and declaring for the draft. And then maybe he can impress people at the combine with like, just remind people that he's a six, eight, 320 pound athlete. Right. And then, uh, but if it, like, if he's unable to bounce back or if he is able to come back at the end of the year and has a couple rough games and then gets a low draft grade, he might have to come back. Like I would I, like to be like I want to see what's best for him. So I hope that he's able to come back sooner rather than later, perform really well, and then make his way to the NFL and go early. But like it, it's kind of I don't know. It, it, this is this is kind of a tough situation for a player like him. You know, missing now what's going to be fifteen or sixteen games of his career from injury yeah. is a tough label to shake unless you're able to come back and play another year and hopefully just bury that enough in the past. Well, what's interesting about this too is I asked my brother like, you know, cause it was a, it was kind of like a, a breaking, you know, decision when they said like he didn't travel, like not a lot of people knew. And I was like, you mm-hmm. know, when did, when did you guys find out that he wasn't going to play? And he said, we found out when he, when he decided he wasn't going to travel, which was this week. So like, yeah, it, it's, I mean, regardless of what it is it's very new and it's the injury is very developing so yeah for sure you know he he was practicing this week like yeah i mean i think it's a situation 
like I think there's a lot of hypotheticals. I know the report was that he could miss the majority of the season. I also mm-hmm. like I I just don't think anybody knows at this point because yeah, it, it sounded like it, it's a back injury. So I don't know. Like I I, I don't know. I, I don't want to like say because I've only heard rumors. So I don't want to just start like speculating and speculating and create more drama. Chris Peterson was not happy with the media today. Yeah, uh, he said that they have dishonored UW's process with the way that they've been reporting with Trey and stuff like that. Uh, but while, while we have the opportunity to, uh, like, I want to give a shout out. I thought Jared Hilbert's played a phenomenal game for his first start of his career against Auburn. I think he did f- fantastic. So I think that was very cool to see and encouraging for the Huskies. You know, he's a redshirt junior. Uh, it's good to kind of feel like, hey, like we have some depth. You know, yeah. we have a guy that can come when you have your All American left tackle injured and kind of hold his own. So that was pretty cool. We got a couple home openers this week. UW opens up at uh, Husky Stadium against North Dakota, and WSU opens up in Martin Stadium against San Jose State. Uh, you guys project those games to sell out? I mean, you would think home opener, two pretty happy teams right now. Uh, you know, with uh, WSU getting a chance to honor Tyler Linsky's memory, and WSU, sorry, UW coming back home. Uh, how, how do you think the, the attendance is going to be for the first game? Yeah, I think it'll be around, you know, 30. 30 to 28,000 people there. I don't know if, I mean, you, you know, some of these early full? games, yeah. Uh, the, some, some of these early games and night games, particularly too, <laughs> uh, don't, you know, sometimes don't sell out as much as, as they should. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, 28 to 30,000. Is that, is that like, what's the capacity? Like, I think a, it, thir- that's I close think to 30, a seller, right? That's like, yeah, I think that 30, they, they, like Marcus sell out. Right? At, yeah, right. No, 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 no. I think, uh, 32, thir- right? it's like 32, 32 is max is the, cool. the capacity yeah what the, what's the atmosphere yeah. going to be like at husky stadium you know like so here are a couple things one thing that's hard is obviously uw isn't in school yet so the student section won't be full that's for sure um which sucks uh i know some people but, going on vacation this was weekend so i'm sure yeah if you, but if you the put, one thing i'll say down, is larger like more so in the past like i feel like I, I was surprised by the way that it, it felt like Twitter reacted to Washington's loss. It was more encouraged than I thought it would be. And it kind of sounded like it sounded like people were talking about it, which in, which makes me hopeful that the reported attendance is going to be like 60,000. But I, I like they could actually push that. I think there'll be 52 to 55,000 there, which would be a lot more than about three quarters. Yeah. Old, yeah. So that's that. what I'm kind of expecting. Um, but I feel like attendance is going to be up this year, which obviously makes sense because Washington. Yeah is starting to establish and, its credibility but yeah UW traditionally doesn't have the best attendance and not that it's bad attendance it's like 50 50 60,000 people is still a lot of people it looks it looks worse in a 72,000 it looks yeah stadium. yeah it yeah exactly that's what I was trying to get at you know it, it looks a lot worse than it actually is but you, know. you look at those sky high seats, you know the ones in the upper yeah, deck no and no one's there and you're like what the heck you kind of you kind of quiet up there you're pretty far away from the game i was going to say like i've never done it and I guess I'm kind of up that high in the press box, but I want to sit like literally like at the top, top, top seat in the house. Like, I wonder how bad of a viewing <laughs> experience that is. That sounds horrible. Like those get, those get high. I wonder if it's like quiet. UW is for having uh 70,000 plus seats. Like it isn't very efficiently designed because there's almost nothing on oh. either end zone. So well, think about, think about when there used to be, Think about when there used to be the uh, the moat and then also the track. 
Like yeah, oh you were gosh. you were a mile away from the field when yeah. you were sitting up there with those two. Now at least, it's not is. it's not the Coliseum. Like you you are in a different zip code if you're at the very edge of the Coliseum trying to watch. A game. I don't know. I don't know. I've heard, but I'm I'm, ex- sure. I'm excited though. Are you going to the Coliseum? Let's talk about uh, the one game that did happen: Washington Eastern Washington versus Central. That game, the final score is fifty-eight to thirteen. The very first play of the game. Touchdown from Gage Gubra, the Simba Webster, fifty yards, and it wasn't a deep pass. It was like a quick, like a quick slant, and uh, Simba just Webster just outran everybody. Uh, let's get into the stats from this game, and we can kind of you know combine that with our fantasy segment. Uh, Gage Gubra had three hundred thirty-seven yards on nineteen completions, so that's wild efficiency with yeah. five touchdowns. Uh, Simba Webster, ten catches, two hundred twelve yards, two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And McPherson, fifteen carries for one hundred eighty-five yards and a touchdown. Uh, what I like about this game is that at least we know where Central stacks with the Big Sky. Uh, so there's a there's a starting point, you know, losing by 45 points. But now that's 45 points that they have to make up in the next 20 years in order to compete with a school like Eastern. And keep in mind, Eastern, the class of the Big Sky right now, number one ranked team. So if they were to play the worst team in the conference, like a Southern Utah, uh, some, some school, you know, maybe like a Weber State, uh, they might only lose by 20 points. So... Central did a good job. I think losing only by 45 points and keeping it close for the first 10 seconds uh, until Simba Webster took it to the house with uh, 14.47 left in the first quarter. Running game kind of fell apart. Riley Hennessy had a decent game, 161 passing yards. But this is about what I expected out of Central Washington. And, uh, and, and it's not the most discouraging thing. And it's probably honestly as exciting as Central football is going to get this season, at least until the playoffs. I grazed over it to be honest like obviously I, I spent a lot of my time on Saturday like at the game and then just kind of mourning but you know like I think <laughs> you know like it isn't what I Micah was right Jackson and I were wrong but you know like I think there's got to be something encouraging about you know just going in there and playing that game like that's a great way to start the season in terms of competition creates a nice get, buzz get a around little, yeah exactly Athletics get a little started. bit of momentum going you know we scored two touchdowns now Let's uh, take this back down to D2 football and show them what we learned. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think just seeing that kind of opponent, you know, is, is a good experience for them. So we, uh, we had our fantasy draft episode uh, late August. Yeah. And now we get a chance to kind of translate that and see how it, you know, appears in the regular season. And uh, my team won week one, which isn't too surprising. Uh, because most of my players played Central Washington and uh, got a total of 109.3 points. Cause, uh, and, and honestly, um, two of my players didn't even really play between Antoine Custer Jr., the Eastern starting running back. He was out for the game, and Christian Stafford had one catch or five yards. Would have started Ty Jones if I had submitted my lineup sooner, which would have bumped me up to like 125 points. But regardless... I uh, got uh, 109.38 points, Gage Gubra 33.48, McPherson 25, Webster 38, Borgie 12.2 on like four touches. But uh, how'd your guys team do this week? So for my week, oh yeah, no, no, okay, all right, all right. Uh, I, I believe I have the lowest totals of, of all all three of us with with 55.7 points this week, but Minshew was, was my guy with 22.7 points. He had a, a nice game. Really disappointed with the uh, the UW backfield. I know they had a pretty tough opponent, but uh, just eleven total points out of the UW backfield. Thought I could uh, thought I could get a little bit more out of that. And then uh, Kyle Sweet, not really, not really. That that one actually surprised me a lot because you know 
Kyle Sweet had kind of been Minshew's guy out in the fall, but um, you know, and not like you know he could have he could have had like eight or nine receptions for like forty yards, and that, you know I would have been happy with that. But just uh just the two receptions uh for twenty yards, and then Martin and Patman they did they both did all right, and UW only coming up with two points. I you know I expect my team to do a lot better. I I, I kind of got held down here by the. Uh, by UW having a tough week one opponent, I expect these numbers to uh to improve on week two. So, Luca, what was the best part about your fantasy team this week? Well, the best part was James Williams. James Williams went absolutely off for me, he which scored... is to be expected. I was about yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, they started uh, with, I mean, of like, I mean, not not a bad opponent, but they started against a non Power Five opponent, uh, and he has always been. If we if this fantasy league had been around for these last couple of years, he would have always been a fantasy relevant player. But now a player like Jamal Morrow is no longer there. So he had ten catches for over fifty yards. He ran for eighty something yards and had two touchdowns. So yeah. he went off for me. Aaron Fuller also had a good game. He had seventeen points, uh, but the rest was a pretty uninspiring performance, highlighted by a combined um, three point two points between Christian Cummings, Renard Bell, and Chico McClatcher. Yeah, uh, and that's just not going to get it done for you. you now, yeah. do you have that's the pieces to, to recover from that, or is that, or is that kind of the best you've got to offer right now? I'm sure you have some bench uh, players. I, I have a couple bench pieces in there. that I need to move around a little bit. So we'll see how it goes. I really should have moved Chico ahead of time, knowing that he wasn't going to. Yeah, and I think list, or he wasn't listed as the starter. I think we should. I mean. We can bounce this idea around, but I think we should Trades. have to. Uh, well, we yeah, we can try. I, I I'm totally fine with that, but uh, we should have who? to announce. We should have to announce. We should have to announce our roster moves so it's on the record. You know, no one can just say like, yeah. "Oh no, I started this guy." Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, and I yeah, I, yeah. I I already oh, know. Are you talking about I started? Yeah, this guy. I I already know who I'm. I'm having two roster switches. Uh, to week on week two, I'm actually going to take out Sweet and Desmond Patman. And I'm going to put in uh, Jameer Calvin and Aesop Winston. And I have a feeling this entire year, I'm just going to be playing just the the WSU wide receiver carousel right here, trying yeah, to, and you're gonna to be guess. Ch- you're going to be chasing around like the, the better performer. Yeah. Just go crazy. It's, I'm going to go crazy over it. But I'm, I'm going to do that week two. So just so everyone knows that Sweet and Patman are out and Aesop Winston and Jameer Calvin are in. Well, is this hey, going to be one constant? Oh, it's going to be Gardner Minshew from that group, yeah. and and is that mm-hmm. is that somebody you trust looking forward? Obviously, you know on your fantasy team, but also on WSU Cougars, he looked pretty good on Saturday. Uh, is he the long term answer? And I already think there's going to be some type of competition down the line. <laughs> well, as long term as this season is long term, then That's yes, pretty damn uh, long term. You know, we're <laughs> yeah, yeah. right now. We got a few. Months. So for this season, yes, I think he he is pretty, and he showed that he was the op, uh, he was the guy, and, and I just. I think just the, the resilience and, you know, I know a, probably a lot more of the people who listen were, were watching that UW-Auburn game opposed to WSU's <laughs> performance against Wyoming. If you were a, tr- uh, if you were a fan, you would, uh, you would watch yeah. You know, you would well, yeah. split screen it, watch one on sure. your laptop. So. Sure, maybe. I would, I would but, hope um, that some people if you were true, I mean, yeah. Yeah, if you were <laughs> or if if you were too crunchy, you would have the the central and eastern game on as well. Yeah, but um, and the Bellevue Central Valley game, duh. Like, yeah, <laughs> like like our like our man Micah here. But uh, um, I think just you know, obviously that second quarter went really south for for the Cougs, but having the quarterback there who was resilient enough to get it going again, 
and and that conversion on fourth and six. So I mean, think about that. You know, on your what, like your forty yard line, uh, fourth and one, and to get a false start penalty, and then have to be fourth and six and still get it, like that's gutsy right there. And that's obviously what you want to see out of out of your starting quarterback. And I think he did win over the hearts of of a lot of Cougs, and both on the roster and fans alike. Um, really you bought into know, Gardner uh, this week. You want to know a former Coug that's not winning over a lot of fans right now? Luke Falk. He's <laughs> in a lot of trouble right now. He's kind of a journeyman. You know, he's gone from you know Utah to Pullman to Nashville, now to Miami. I mean, when's it ever yeah. going to end? You know, when is well, he ever going to find I, a home? No, I, I think him? that's good because it, it, b- before the draft was talking, the two teams that were very that were Miami, very uh, up up on Luke Falk were the Patriots and Miami. So I think to to land on a team that have have liked him and to like him enough through a pretty pedestrian uh, preseason. You know, I think he had one touchdown. He didn't have any interceptions, but uh, for you know, one touchdown in about six quarters worth of play, you know, that's not that's nothing crazy. And, and I think I think Miami is rostering like four quarterbacks. It looks like it's like five right now. Five yeah. is it? Wow. Yeah, well, they have five listed right now. I mean, you got Bryce Petty in there, Brock Osweiler, uh, David Fails, David Falls. So goodness, they have. Uh, they so have I mean, yeah, behind Tannehill I mean, right now, he's kind of just another guy there. Yeah, and he I mean, gets to learn. He gets to learn from one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, <laughs> and a quarterback whom I own a jersey from, and that's Ryan Tannehill. So that's great for him. I'm sure he's going to. Uh, and Adam Gates, because they, they're totally yeah. similar players and athletes and everything. So. Right. Well, I, I guess I mean Madden would suggest that with that 77 speed rating. So who knows? Yeah, geez, for Luke. God, maybe yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe Madden knows something that we don't. That deceived yeah. our eyes for the last for the last four years. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you guys an update on what's going on right now in preps football. Sam Heward, uh, Kennedy Catholic quarterback, a lot of a uh, Division One programs around the country are looking at him. He had ten touchdown passes against Chief Self, which tied a Washington record. Sam Heward, only a sophomore. Uh, he was freshman All-American last year. So he's a guy that, you know, it's pretty hard to avoid, pretty hard to not yeah. keep an eye on. I got to like where he's going right now. Also, a uh, really cool uh, cross-state matchup between Bellevue, the perennial powerhouse, against Central Valley, the Spokane-based team. And it's cool to see uh, more uh, non-conference games being played between teams that have nothing in common, you know, teams that geographically or, you know, historically, culturally are not the same at all. A lot of people had Central Valley in this game, but you can never bet against Bellevue. They won 18-7. to And something that's been very interesting in these first couple weeks of the season is all these non-conference games and how many games are being canceled because nobody wants to get blown out by a private school or a school that might be doing some sketchy practices behind the scenes. So you're getting some kind of really weird matchups, and like for example, Archbishop Murphy. I bo- no, it, I was Hawkinson, really good uh, school in Vancouver, played Toppenish, which is uh, a school in the Yakima Indian Reservation that you know they shouldn't be playing each other, but it's just, it's hard to get opponents now, you know, because uh, nobody wants to play each other. So you know, Archbishop Murphy has to travel to the other side of the country to find opponents. And uh, it's kind of kind of causing some problems with the scheduling. You know, you factor into RPI and teams not wanting to get blown out. Uh, another really close game was Union. They almost lost to Mountain View. And Union is a consensus number one team in all 4A rankings, whether it be Seattle Times, 
our local uh, source, uh, Cascadia Preps. They almost lost 17-14 against the middle of the pack 3A school Mountain View. And uh, so, you know, high school football is going pretty good right now these first couple weeks. And uh, obviously, you can check out all that coverage on uh, Cascadia Preps. And uh, you guys got any questions on high school football I, right now? Or I, I, I actually do. I, well, it's not more of a question, more as a comment. Definitely. How big of the fallout between the Hewards and UW when Sam Hewitt isn't touched by with a 10-foot pole by UW? You know, I know for a fact that they're going to... Think about think about this. You think you're going to take offense to UW not having any interest in a young Sam Heward? Okay, yeah. I mean, to say no interest. No I interest. Know. No, I don't. Okay, I don't think I don't think they're not interested. I just don't think they want that dynamic. They, you know, Damon Damon Heward. Are you saying, obviously are you saying how worked, big of a fallout would it be, or are, yeah, are you saying would it's it going like, to happen? I'm saying it's going to happen that Sam Heward is not going to get offered by UW, Ooh. and, and well, I, and think about this. You know, like G. Scott Jr. not getting even looked at by UW. Kale uh, Millen. Kale Millen not even touched by UW. It's going to be the same. They don't want that dynamic where you have a dad who is, is an influence in the area. And uh, but to this have may be, that- this might be a money where your mouth is situation because, like, obviously, all of these guys have been great players, and G. Scott is very high up in a lot of college football or like or a lot of high school football and mm-hmm. recruiting rankings but 24 7 just had their initial rankings for the class of 2021 and sam Heward is 13th yeah no i i like, i and wait is sam like is, he is, da- money, is he damon's son or is he uh, he's damon's son damon's yeah but he's okay. lefty like brock yeah okay yeah i just don't i don't think it's gonna happen I don't think it's going to happen. Well, here are um, what the experts whoa, are saying. We'll Bra- Brandon Huffman has him uh, going to UW. Um, they have seven national experts. Uh, Ryland Spencer says he's going to go to UW. Bud Elliott. So there's a lot of 24-7 writers that have yeah, uh, Sam Heward ending up in at UW. And, I just don't uh, think if, if, if those other guys... And, and I think, you know, I think... Not, I'm not trying to say like G Scott is, is like annoying or anything or or uh, Ke- or what uh, what's Mullen uh, what's Hugh Kel- Hugh Kel- yeah yeah oh yeah Millen uh, Hugh Millen Kale. yeah Hugh Kale. Millen no 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 I know it's the son's Kale, Kale but I'm talking about Hugh oh, right right they like I'm not saying that they're head cases but like they they're people of influence I guess is what you could say and they're politicians yeah. that's what you're saying Jackson well, no, no I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying that but like you know. They, I just, they haven't, they haven't taken people like that, and, and I don't know why. I mean, you know, Damon's an employee of the university. Yeah, like, uh, that's 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 an interesting dynamic there. Well, he did throw ten touchdowns, so no, I'm just nothing. It's just a harmless little fact. It's a nice little. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Okay, so if, if Coach Pete's son were the top-rated quarterback in the class of whatever high school he were in, do you think Coach Pete would recruit him? <sighs> I don't know. His own son? <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. Son? I don't know. I don't know if co- I just I feel like coach and that's that's another thing. Like I just don't know how Coach Peterson would feel about having the quarterback be the son of someone who is on payroll and, and someone who is so close to the university and the football program like that. I don't know. That's just me. Something to well, monitor for sure. Yeah, a little, little self promotion with that, you know. Check out Cascadia Preps; they got some cool <laughs> yeah. for the second out time. Yeah. Well, no, I, I just want I just want to say that because Jackson, yeah. you have the Sunday cocktail now, so I yes. want you to talk about that for a little bit. Ooh. What that's all about? Yeah, 
Well, that's just that's uh that's the new my new column. It's new weekly column. That's that will come out on Sunday now, not on Monday. That well, what's, was what's the deal with that? Was this travel? Because you know there's gonna be more. Uh, on the no, it was okay. This is this is a, a little a secret for for crunchers only. Um, it was actually uh, you know me and uh, it was originally supposed to be on the Evergreen. The Evergreen was supposed to run it, and is it not on the Evergreen. I feel like no, it's there. It's, it's it's not. This is, it, is uh, a blog. It's, it's just spot. it's just my it's just my my uh, WordPress blog, which you know I don't touch ever. But the, the, the circumstances were such that I needed to, to turn here. Stars aligned. Yeah. Well, no, and uh, they just said they 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 weren't going to publish that. It was it was too informal, um, and they didn't want to, and it needed to be edited. And I sorry, this actually has personality. We can't publish that's, it. That's <laughs> I'm and and that's kind of how I felt, and I w- I was. Offended. Connects with people. I felt <laughs> I felt a little betrayed. I'll be honest. Um, and yeah, and I mean, I I don't know why. I I guarantee. I told them that you know, once this has has more has more clicks than you know any of the other articles or any of the other columns, like you're gonna want this. I love but, the I love the gimmick, man. The Sunday cocktail. It's uh it's, yeah, it's, right. It's, and the, and it's really old school, you know. You did you did you like did you like anymore. the artwork? The artwork was done by me. A lot like of personal that. story. I, a lot of uh on uh yeah, my showing off a little some of my Adobe skills right there. But uh yeah, picture, no, I felt and I I I held I held that one near and dear to me, and and I wanted that one to be published how I wrote it, and so that's kind of why it's it's not with the evergreen. And not not with the evergreen for now. If they decide to uh, to run it and pick it up, then I will I will allow them to. But uh, as of now, it's just my own venture. So. Not like it will not be like a hands and knees beg situation. Oh no! Oh no! They'll they'll have to. And to be honest, that's how I've always really felt about it. But you know. It's yeah. I'm gonna make them get on their hands and knees if if they if they want to <laughs> want to run it because gosh, I I felt I really I really felt strongly about that and I I'm really looking forward to what's gonna come here in in the following weeks. And for anyone that didn't get it, it's so it's the Sunday cocktail when the Cougs win. It's obviously the Sunday hangover when they lose. So it's you know they're both the same column, but you know they have different different feels to it. So I'm looking forward to writing uh, writing it every week. Luke, I've noticed lately That's on sweet. Dog Man, there's uh, names not Luke. Uh, there's names not Luke Monger, Scott Eklund, Chris Fetters, Brandon Huffman. I'm seeing a lot of uh, names that I haven't seen before, and I'm wondering uh, what the kind of what the tra- 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 trajectory of the website is right now. And yeah, this, are they like, expanding? Are they adding? Well, more so a lot of consistency or. Uh, so I know like they have a contract with CBS, right? That's what twenty four. Oh yeah, for sure. Is, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so they, they have just uh, like a certain number of things that need to be on the page. So a lot of times. Like you know, they'll take national content and run it through the page, and then obviously the byline on. will be exactly. So there there aren't any more like regulars, but they will be more willing to grab a national title and put it here. You know, or like a like a. Yeah, here's I mean, a they're cutting into your airtime, Luke. They're what cutting into your screen time. They're cutting yeah, into your screen heck? time right now. Yeah, I know. You know they what? Could, they could be publishing your articles, it doesn't, but they keep on going to the national circuit. My, my pay keep won't change. In there. It goes from $0 to $0, so I'm not too offended by it. I understand. Oh. All right, well, we've got to start wrapping it up right now. I'll get our next episode coming out next Tuesday. This is actually our one-year anniversary show. I forgot to mention that at the very beginning. Happy anniversary. But uh, yeah, one year straight of this show. <laughs>